Welcome to Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host, Rosemary Orchard. Hello, Rosemary. How are you today? Hey, David. Um, my batteries are running pretty low right now because I'm the idiot that installed all the betas, but I'm pretty happy apart from that. So yeah. I, I feel I feel I'm pretty good. How about you? Uh, when you said my batteries were running low, I was getting worried. I was thinking that in like the bigger sense of the term, like you're really tired. <laughs> but no, you're no, no, no. I mean, we all have low batteries during beta season, especially crazy nerds like us. I, I love it. I just got back from WWDC, saw a bunch of friends there, and they're all software developers and smart, fancy people who say, oh, I remember when I was young, like in my uh, you know, teens and 20s, I didn't install the betas. Now I'm wiser. I never do that. And I was thinking to myself, I'm in my 50s, and I still install the betas, and I love it. And I have lots of batteries, so I don't care. But anyway, uh, this is the morning that we get to open the automation Christmas presents for you. Uh, Apple just had the WWDC event. Um, they have an automation story. There is automation news this year. It wasn't part of the keynote. It didn't feature as, as heavily, mm. but there's a lot going on. Uh, Rose and I are going to break it all down for you. What's coming with the betas, um, what we like, what we don't like. And uh, also we've got some other stuff to weigh on, on some other news and automation related uh, stuff going on. So we got a full show for you today. I guess we should just get started. Yeah, I guess so. Otherwise, we're not going to have time because, I mean, we've got like 15 pages of notes on shortcuts just to start us off, haven't we? Yeah, but you know, I just realized I'm being a bad podcaster. Before we get started, uh, for those of you that are Automators Max supporters, uh, we that's the bonus version of the show. It gets you some extra content, gets rid of the ads. We'd love to have you join. You can do that at the webpage uh, for uh, relay.fm slash automators. But uh, we're going to go through uh, both of us, or at least I know I am seriously once again uh, looking at Stage Manager. You know, I got mm-hmm. motivated by by Apple, of course. Anytime you go up to Cupertino, you, you know, and bathe in the reality distortion field, you come back with all these great ideas. But we're going to talk about that in Automators Max today: ways that you can use Stage Manager to be efficient. And it's an experiment at this point, but I want to talk through it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually a great experiment and a great place to start, David, because Shortcuts had some updates. You know, they didn't necessarily get a lot of keynote time, but some of those updates include new automation triggers in Shortcuts um, and improvements to existing automation triggers. And one of those triggers on the iPad is when Stage Manager turns on or when Stage Manager is turned on or when Stage Manager is turned off. So clearly they want us to be using Stage Manager and that is, you know, um, uh, an automation trigger. Um, and that one can be run immediately. They've changed the ask before running, um, toggle to be called run immediately and run after confirmation, um, as like a, a list that you can choose from. Um, and so you can say that this one should run immediately. And then it pops up a little prompt and says, Hey, do you want it to like ask you or not? Um, and then it automatically turns off, um, the notify when run thing, which is, is what previously happened as well. But this is great because, you know, when, when stage manager turns on, um, you can then, you know, run a, a, a shortcut. Um, and speaking of which, you know, I, I kind of, I'm in two minds as to which way to go, but the automation like system as a whole has a huge improvement. Now, when I tap on that next button, oh my God, it suggests I run a shortcut. I, I'm just so happy with this. Uh, I, 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 I personally think that this is, what should have been there from the start? I understand why it wasn't, but now when when you set up an automation, it prompts you. It, you can have a new blank automation, um, and then it has like a list of your folders with tiles. Fortunately, for those of us with over a thousand shortcuts, one thousand five hundred eighty at last count, uh, there's also a search button. 
<laughs> so you can search for your shortcut. But this is great because it all ties in together with all of those automation improvements. Yeah. Well, let, let's just slow down and back up a little bit because I want to cover some of this stuff in more detail. But the stage manager, uh, and just for you, dear listener, Rose and I both have all the betas loaded. Uh, we are recording on machines that are not on the beta because you have to record and you don't want the recording to fail. But the uh, well, I've got my Sonoma MacBook in front of me, and I can confirm that the stage manager setting is also on the Mac, which is great. You know, We don't always get these actions on all platforms. But one of the nice things is if you want to play with stage manager now, you can set a shortcut to toggle it on and off. Like when I record screencasts, I don't leave it on because I think it's too noisy and you know, that gets in the way of the, the video product you're making. But I always had to do that with a bunch of keyboard shortcuts and other nonsense. Now I can just run it as a step, an action and shortcut. So that's really great. And you can do the same thing on your iPad. So if you want to run shortcuts, and it's it's um not really related to automation or automators, but uh, it got the stage manager got a lot better on the iPad. Um, the and by better, the big change to me is they've made it easier to make multiple sizes of windows. Before you were very limited in what you could do. Now you've got a lot more variety. It still is yes. a fixed window. Uh, it's not like on the Mac where you can make any size window down to the pixel, but it's enough of um, gradation that you can really make just about anything you want. Yeah, and I think this is a really big improvement. There are certain apps that just kind of never really looked right unless they were full screen, and I've noticed those looking a little better now, um, which is which is great. So yeah, it's it's good to see Stage Manager integrating with shortcuts in all of the ways. Um, but it's not the only thing because um, you know one of the things that they were talking about when they introduced Stage Manager for iOS 16 was the fact that, you know, when you connect it to an external display, the external display can be using Stage Manager, and this is really going to improve your productivity on iPad. Well, they they kind of decided that they needed to add some automations for this. So another automation trigger that we now have is when my display connects. So when a display connects or disconnects from the iPad, you can run a shortcut, which could, for example, turn on Stage Manager. Um, or it could, you know, turn on your work focus mode or something if you only dock your iPad to an external monitor in the office, for example. Um, but this is really cool. I really like the fact that there there are two really great automation triggers right there, both of which can run immediately and you can just run shortcuts from them. Yeah. Now, I want to back up even further. Structurally, shortcuts looks different now. And when you go to add an action specifically, uh, they are really aiming to bring in non, you know, super nerd users to do more with shortcuts. So when you go to add an action, it makes app um, suggestions that are based on the um, the app. So like right now, I just opened mine and I haven't got a shortcut started. I've got like a test one that's empty and it's giving me suggested actions in the clock and drafts and notes in um, voice memos, all the built-in Apple apps begin with because we're on the beta. Uh, but it, as I understand it, the developer API lets the developer choose specific actions that are ready to roll right in that actions menu now. So a user can just tap it and they've got a shortcut without any work whatsoever. And I think that's going to really be a nice entry point for people getting started. It really is. And these app shortcuts um, are being brought to users in other ways as well. So if you open Spotlight, for example, and start searching for, say, books, um, then you'll see those things pop up 
in Spotlight as well. Um, and they pop up as kind of like cute little rounded icons. So if you think of an app icon, it's colorful. Um, so in the, in the case of the books icon, it's an orange rounded square with a white book on it. Well, the shortcut icons, which appear sort of next to it, are round gray icons with a, I think it's black or exceptionally dark gray, um, icon on top of it. And it will say like open current and play current. So you can play your current audiobook or open your current book. Um, and that's just, you know, some of the ways that they're really bringing these shortcuts into everybody's, um, you know, front of mind. And of course, inside of shortcuts, if I tap on the book section, I can disable those appearing as spotlight or Siri. Um, but you know, the fact that they're there. Um, and you know, the, the clock app and so on has got these as well. Um, so does, uh, files for scanning a document. It, it's really nice to see Apple, you know, not just releasing a feature, but going like, Hey, you should use us. And, and for existing non Apple apps, it does a good job of showing not just apps, but app suggestions within those, like those that don't have the big, uh, Apple block behind them already have really discoverable features. Uh, I have. I happen to own a Traeger barbecue, Rose. That's the nerdy mm-hmm. barbecue with an app. And I was just going through it. And it's like, oh, what's the current temperature of my meat? I, I can find out now. I can just push a button and create a shortcut for it. So I feel like this is exactly what we need. You know, the idea behind shortcuts is that it has a nice, easy on-ramp that people can start making very basic shortcuts with no training. And every year they get a little closer with that. And this year they they made progress on that too. There's more, though, a structural change. I feel like, and I don't have the the story of this. I was trying to track down some shortcuts people, but they weren't as um, public this year, so you didn't see as many of them. Um, At one point, I saw a few friends on shortcuts, but they were across the way from me, so I couldn't get to them before, you know, in the sea of people. But uh, it's running faster. I feel like uh, many of my shortcuts that seem like they're slow are running faster on beta mm-hmm. one, which is not something I expected. Are you experiencing that too? I am experiencing that. Not only am I experiencing that, I'm also experiencing things like weights and so on work for longer. So I think what what's happened, and this is speculation, is that under the hood, they've just gone in and um, like they, they've maybe not rewritten things, but they certainly had a big refactor, just tidying up all the bits that were kind of linking together in a crisscross fashion. Yeah. Uh, kind of like you might wrap ribbons around a maypole and they've kind of maybe just straightened some things up and gone, okay, well, this links directly to this and this. So we're just going to feed that straight through and see what happens. And bam, we have super fast shortcuts. It is like they are on something in the best of ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited by that. And I really feel like across the board, not just in automation, but just in general, the software updates this year feel i think the theme of the year is quality of life improvements it's like Mm -hmm. lots of little things that make it easier to use these things and lots of friction points sanded down and shortcuts is no different and that faster bit i think there must have been a lot of optimization going on in the past year because it was immediately noticeable to me some of my longer shortcuts just run better and um so far, knock on wood, we're only in beta one. Some of my more complicated ones seem to be more stable. Um, yes. I, I haven't had any break yet, but I haven't gone through and tested all of mine. And I'm sure there are some actions that are probably not working. There's That's always the case during beta. I just haven't personally bumped into any. Have you had any uh, fail on you yet? Well, I, I didn't have uh, shortcuts specifically fail on me, though I, I did have some automations fail. I had shortcuts fail on me. 
Um, and so for anybody else who has the, the beta installed, I sincerely hope you're an app developer and you're, you're using this because you're like, you know, actually doing something with this. Um, if not, please wait until the public beta. You do not want to do this to yourself. But every time I tried to open shortcuts on my iPhone, it crashed. Um, and when I say it crashed, I mean, I'd see the screen for like a second and a half and then bam, closed, gone. Um, and, um, I mentioned this on iOS today when I was recording that, um, right after WWDC, um, because I restored my phone, tried a number of things to help and none of it worked. Um, and somebody reached out to us and mentioned if you've got Sofa installed, which is a great app for like tracking what you're going to like watch next, listen to next, play next, etc. Um, then, um, that might be causing the crash. Try uninstalling it. So I uninstalled oh. Sofa and shortcuts on my iPhone now works. So I've reached out to the Sofa developer because I'm pretty certain that there is just basically an edge case in one of their shortcut actions that is kind of like causing this somewhere. Um, and I don't think it's entirely on them to fix, but I filed feedback and I've reached out to the Sofa developer to say like, hey, heads up, this is a thing. Um, just so that people know and then fingers crossed that can be fixed for folks. But yeah, so I had that like not work. And then in turn, some of my automations worked. Some of them didn't. And like, I don't quite know exactly what the cause was there. Was it that Shortcuts was like trying to like start up and couldn't because it was running into some kind of error and then crashing out? Or was it, um, you know, the actual, um, Shortcuts themselves that it was running as automations that were broken? Um, but the good news is, is, you know, most things have been working just fine. You know, like my widgets that I've got through Pushcut and so on have been updating and things like that. And I do all that through Shortcuts. So I, I feel like I've, I've got off pretty lightly, all things considered with this. Yeah. Um, I know certainly when I snoozed my alarm yesterday morning, uh, my evil alarm clock, thanks to Signal for HomeKit, uh, certainly, uh, did its trick of flashing all of my lights, all the different colors. So that worked. Um, I know because it flashed them a horrible shade of green and I went, okay, fine. I'm going to get up. Um, so my punishment, whenever I hit snooze, my, my, my lights flash in different colors in the bedroom. We are uh, definitely going to do future content once the betas get more mature and report in on that. And this is kind of the first pass. But one of the things I am most excited about is that they have removed some of the automation barriers this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Wi-Fi in particular is what I'm excited about. Now, historically, if you hit a new Wi-Fi network, you needed to confirm before you could run an automation. And now there's a toggle and you click it. And when you go to work and you connect to the work Wi-Fi, a, you can have a shortcut run without bugging you. Now, it will give you a notification that it ran. But and yeah. I, as far as I can tell, you can't avoid that. But no. it's early in beta, so maybe that'll change. But And that's probably for the best that you get to know. But I'm fine with a notification because now I don't have to push a button to make it go. And I think this is great. And uh, this will yes. be something we talk about in future shows. But just think about it. I mean, Wi-Fi automation as a trigger without a confirmation can really change your game, right? If if you get your iPad to work and you connect to the work, um, you know, uh, Wi-Fi, then suddenly you can do this. The world is your oyster. You can set your focus mode. You can set stage manager on or off, just like we just mentioned. You can do so many different things just merely by showing up in the office. It really is the kind of thing that we love here on the Automators podcast. Yes. Um, and I suspect the reason why Wi-Fi and Bluetooth have now both got these automation triggers where you can turn it off and you'll get it to run immediately. You cannot turn off the notification is because particularly in the case of Wi-Fi, assuming that it's using the network name, 
to check it. Um, you know, my network name is something I said. Uh, my my home network is called the Promised Land. Yes, I'm a nerd. I make jokes. It's funny, yeah. at least in my head. Um, but anybody else could create a Wi-Fi network and call it the Promised Land. And if I had an automation step for that, and then my phone connected to that network, okay, then it would also run that. Now they could have actually created um a network, assuming that they managed to do it with the same password and everything. Um, then it, it would just basically be mimicking my network and my phone would connect to it. Now, I actually do do this on purpose, um, because I have a travel router, which I take with me when I travel, um, that mimics my home network because it can like rebroadcast hotel Wi-Fi. It's great for things like a Chromecast or something, um, that are co- that's connected to the hotel TV. Um, but, um, you know, if, if somebody had done that maliciously, um, to run my shortcut that was on my phone that they probably didn't have access to, Maybe that would be a problem. Maybe it wouldn't be. But I understand why, you know, in, in the purposes of the, it's going to send you an automation. Um, Apple have gotten with, okay, well, we'll let people run it automatically, but they're getting a notification whether they like it or not. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, quite a few things have got that as well. Um, so physical location has not had this option um, added um, for for that. Um, but email a message also got yes. um, the same when like automatic running. Now, I will say you can't just have a, an, a message or an email automation run for like every single email or message from a contact. You do have to set it up with like a filter in it um, to like search for some text, but you can then run this automatically, which is pretty darn cool. Yeah. I mean, and those are two that I, if you had said, hey, you got to bet $1,000. Are they ever going to let you uh, do an automatic automation upon receiving a message? I would have said no, that they're just never going to let you do that because then someone else in the world, by the mere act of sending you a message, is able to cause something to happen on your device. Well, we're all big boys and girls. We're okay with that, but I just feel like Apple would never let us do it, and they did, so I'm very happy about that. David, can I just take a moment to be very European and say, please, can you tell your cell phone carriers this? Because they charge you to receive text messages. Like, you have a limited number of messages that you can send and receive. Most people are probably on plans where they've just got unlimited. But, like, you actually have to pay to receive a message. And I just don't understand that. I have zero control over somebody else sending me messages. Yeah. Um, so why should I have to pay for it? Um, like it, it should be on them to pay for it. I have a similar relationship with email, but I pay with my time, <laughs> not with my money. Yes. Yeah, yes, uh, yes. But no, that's, that's a great uh, new update. And uh, I honestly did not expect any of those things to get a run immediately without confirmation. And that, if that's all we got this year, that's a win. This episode of Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You probably wouldn't take a call in a public place on speaker for anyone to hear because you'd be concerned about your privacy, right? Well, using the internet without ExpressVPN is a bit like taking that call and knowing someone could eavesdrop if they wanted to. Internet service providers can actually see all the websites you visit and that data could be sold to others who might use that data to target you for marketing. Thankfully, you can use ExpressVPN, which creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so people can't see your online activity. It's super easy to use too. Just fire up the app and hit one button. It works on phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. It's no surprise ExpressVPN has been rated number one by Business Insider and The Verge. One of the things that I love about ExpressVPN is the fact that I can easily see where I'm connecting the end of my tunnel to. So if I want to be in Paris, for example, then I can do that. And 
that's one of the reasons why it's important to me to use ExpressVPN, because not only can it help me get around, you know, weird content blockers that block my access to sites like Relay.fm, but it also lets me check out Netflix and so on in those other countries. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash automators today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash automators. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash automators. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. So David there is another automation trigger that's been added to shortcuts that we're going to have to talk about because it's there on the iPhone, it's there on the iPad, and it's something people have been asking for. It's transactions. So when you use your Apple wallet to pay for something, so Apple Pay, um, and you select your card, you can select run immediately. That's fine. Um, You can choose to notify when you're running, and then you select what kind of transaction. So there's payment, public transport, or I presume public transit if you're in the U.S., Access, e-money, and identity. Um, and so depending on what you use like your wallet for, um, then um, you can have it automatically, for example, log commuting when you do a public transport um, uh, uh, transaction. So if you wanted to track your time with Timery and time spent commuting as one of those things, then you could autom- you could say, okay, so when I use uh, a public transport type of transaction on this card in Apple Pay, I want you to start a timery timer. And then when I connect back to my work Wi-Fi, I want you to stop the timery timer then um, for, for commuting. Then you can do that. that. That's now possible without you having to tap to run a single automation. And that's amazing. Yeah, it is really great. And it's just, you know, the great thing about shortcuts is the app developers are giving us actions that we can do things. But Apple has so much power when they give us triggers like this. It just makes everything else so much better, right? We can, we can make more happen because now we've got a system level trigger that only Apple can give us. And uh, yeah, I, I never even thought of this as being a trigger. I guess my brain was not expansive enough, but when I saw it, I'm like, yes, please. You know? And it's like, there's, like you said, there's so many different ways in your everyday life. You can use this. I can't help but wonder if this is somehow related to the journal app, you know, that they have the log information mm-hmm. for the journal yeah. app. And they went ahead and said, well, let's give them a shortcut trigger too. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. That's just speculation. But whatever the reason is, I'm thankful for it. And I, uh, I can't wait to start writing some shortcuts around that action or yeah. that trigger. Yeah. Um, I should note that if you select the payment transaction type, um, then you get to choose from a variety of categories, including food and drinks, shopping, travel, services, entertainment, health, and transport. Um, and so these are the automatic categorizations um, that Apple give you um, for this stuff. Um, unfortunately, when I checked it out last time, just uh, trying to check it out again, just to make sure that I'm right. Um, obviously, we, we're still on beta one here as we record. Um, so it's entirely possible that things will change. I believe the shortcut input doesn't provide you with uh, any information. No, it does not. Um, so, um, yeah, they're, 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 you're just kind of going to have to guesstimate what something is um, based on logic, um, like getting your current location maybe. But at the same time, you know, it's a start. So you're not going to have the amount that you paid or the vendor that you paid to, um, but you are going to have the fact that a transaction happened. And it could always prompt you to, uh, you know, insert the balance into whatever finance tracking app that you're currently using if you uh, if you wanted that. There's other 
good goodies we got as well. One of the ones that I'm kind of excited about is that now you can run a shortcut from your lock screen. Yep. New lock screen widget. Like I would say finally, but I, I get why it's taken them a little while to add it because it's only been a year. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. It's only been a year. And especially with all the other features that they've been, um, you know, working on, I, I get it. Like, you know, they've been, they've been, you know, making other improvements. Um, and so, yeah, you, you can just add a widget to your lock screen, which you can now do on the iPad as well as the iPhone. Um, and have it run a shortcut. And so the icon it gives you is give you a circle with kind of the shortcuts icon inside of the circle. And then the icon of your shortcut overlaid on that top square of the shortcuts icon. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be kind of small and not that obvious. But speaking of widgets, David, did you notice there's a new small widget yes. for shortcuts? Yes. And-, and oh my God. Everybody's been wanting this. Uh, shortcuts has now got a small widget that can run two shortcuts. Yeah, it, all, it never made sense to me that the small widget could only run one shortcut, so they've added the density. I My answer to this is yes and more, please. Double yeah. the number of shortcuts you can run on all the widgets. You know, make the medium one, you know, run eight and make the, you know, just, just give us more, you know. What what I would really love, um, and I do potentially understand why why they wouldn't do this, because... Um, it, it could result in slightly too small app, site, app icon sizes, but also that's kind of my choice, is if I have a small widget that takes up four app squares, let me run four shortcuts. If I have a medium widget that takes up eight app squares, let me run eight shortcuts. You see where I'm going with this yeah. with all the widget mm-hmm. sizes? Like, just give me the number of, like, shortcuts uh, widgets. Because don't forget, there is also that magic Siri widget. Um, now this is a Siri suggestions widget, um, which you can find if you go to add widgets and you'll find this on iOS 15 as well. Um, where if you scroll down to Siri suggestions, there is a magic one for app suggestions, which just puts four app icons on your home screen. Oh, sorry. Eight app icons on your home screen. It's a medium sized widget. You can actually stack it with another medium sized widget, um, if you wanted to. Um, and, um, so because of that, uh, or at least you could, it's now not stacking for me on this one. Um, but either way, because because you can have those eight suggestions, I feel like eight shortcuts, that shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I was uh, 18 feature requests slash homework uh, for uh, the shortcuts and the operating system team, if they can manage it. I feel like, you know, you could always, you know, create apps of shortcuts if you wanted. yeah. This but, is true, but you can't have them dynamically update unless you just do it by home screen. And then even then you're not necessarily going to have all the shortcuts that are in a folder or something at your, at your disposal. Exactly. So. It, it, there's a cost to that and it's, you're stuck with what you put there. And, um, so it, it's, um, that I agree with you that, that, that could be something I understand though, why they make it big. They want to make it user simple. I feel like a lot of our listeners have probably had this experience I just did it for a family member recently. She had a little problem that I could solve with a shortcut. I made the shortcut. I made the widget. It's a big button on her screen. She doesn't have two shortcuts. She has one shortcut. So, you know, once this comes out, I'll have to figure out, maybe I'll make a call David nope. button and put it there. The one shortcut um, widget is still present. Oh, is so it? It's, oh, good. Yeah, so, so there's yeah. not going to be a problem for her. I had yeah. a similar thing with my ballet teacher where she needed a little shortcut that I, I threw together for her really quickly at the end of class because um the, the name of the exercise that we were doing was listed after the name of the song, which is great if you know that this piece of music is great for plies. 
but really bad if you like need to like tap onto the piece of music, then immediately hit pause so it doesn't start playing, and then wait for it to slowly scroll across the screen. And she's got an old iPod Touch, so I think it was running like iOS 15 or something, or or even 14. I don't know. It wasn't running the latest and greatest, but I was able to create a quick shortcut for her. And I used Add to Home Screen in that case. I didn't try and do widgets. I just blended it in with everything else. So she knows the pink button is for that stupid album that's named incorrectly. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it solved the problem. But yeah, putting things on the home screen, I think, is a lot more user-friendly for many people. I've finally slowly talked my parents into... If you don't need it regularly, it doesn't deserve a space on your home screen. Put it in the app library. Find it through the big list later. Um, but it's taken a while to convince them that they don't need it all in endless screens of folders on their home screen. Another one I'm looking forward to exploring and uh, working with is the scan document shortcut. You know, in terms of building your own receipt capture shortcut, but that was a good one. Yes. The um, there's a several of them that don't really land for me, but I'm sure they scratch an itch for a lot of people and they're like hotspot related ones. You can get a password or, or set a password for a hotspot. Um, and also there are user cellular actions like reset your cellular data, you know, toggle your cellular plan. Yeah. Which I think is really useful, especially considering the fact that for some reason my iPad didn't connect to Wi-Fi, And so it like went through um, and used five gigabytes of data um, and I have most of the month left to go. Um, so the fact that I can have uh, my iPad reset its cellular usage automatically at that point in the month and I can do it on my iPhone as well means I'm actually going to reset my cellular data statistics yeah. um, and, um, and, and use that. And similarly, toggling the cellular plan, uh, not so much something that I need, but for example, something that somebody who has a, a work phone uh, or a work SIM and a personal SIM. Exactly. And their devices, um, you know, I can imagine... Um, wanting to do that um, and, and and enjoying doing that as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see that these things are coming. And then there's just some really simple actions as well that they've added, like delete alarm um, and things like that. Um, so you you can tidy up your alarms a lot more easily instead of having to like ask Siri to delete all your alarms and then like using the donated one. That's that's pretty nice. Yeah, a lot of people are excited about those alarm actions, and um, mm. I don't. I, cause I'm pretty, I, I use the same alarms all the time. So I'm not, that's not as big of a deal for me, but going back to the cellular one, I was also thinking if anybody like commutes between countries and you've got a two cellular radios, like one for one country and one for another, now you could set a, a shortcut to make that switch for you automatically when you get on the plane or get off the plane. And, um, if you go even a little further, maybe you could use one of these new triggers to, to make that happen. So I definitely see space for that. And and I think just, you know, the, this is the problem when you write and talk about this stuff. It's easy to live in your own little bubble. You, you've got to realize, you know, there's a lot of people out there and there's a lot of problems. And the Shortcuts team is not just trying to take care of Rose and David's little pet issues. They've got other fish to fry. Yes. Um, also, I, I love, David, that you assumed that people were uh, commuting between countries by plane. Um, uh, that, that, that may be giggle. Um, yeah, that's an I, American thing, right? It, it, it's very American. I used to live, um, like on the border of France and Luxembourg from Germany. Yeah. Um, and for a while I lived in Luxembourg and you could genuinely be in, in, in four countries within a couple of hours and have stopped for ice cream and chips in different places, uh, on the way. I know. Um, so I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I almost kind of caught myself. I was actually trying to be 
not an American in the way I said that, but I actually managed to do it anyway, didn't I? <laughs> Yes, but that's okay. But one of the things I wanted to go back to actually is um, specifically uh, the clock actions. Yeah. Um, there's there's actually a really great post on Reddit um, that's like gone through um, and talked about how the new clock actions work and so on. So you're able to edit your sleep alarm. Um, and this is really nice. Now, um, I should note, editing your sleep alarm is only available on iPhone. Sleep things are iPhone only. They're not available on other devices, which means I didn't get my sleep focus mode on my iPad, even though I wanted one, but that's okay. Um, and so what you can do with sleep alarm is you can skip it. Um, you can unskip it or you can toggle it. Um, and that's all you can do. Um, but at least you can skip it uh, or unskip it if you if you've got a shortcut that's gonna be like oh tomorrow is a different day so I'm gonna skip my sleep alarm I'm gonna set a new alarm and so on. Um, one of the things that I do at the moment and I've really struggled with this because I have ended up doing what felt like the worst thing ever um, is um, I have just got a shortcut that goes through every day and it looks so when my work focus mode starts it looks at the events in my calendar. Um, and it makes sure that it's not getting anything that's canceled and it makes sure that it's, um, not getting like, uh, events where I'm actually physically going to be in an office. Um, and, um, then it goes, okay, cool. I'm going to create an alarm three minutes before each of these events for you. So that then when my alarm goes off, I know, okay, cool. Like I've got three minutes. I can grab a glass of water, run to the bathroom, whatever. Five minutes. It's just long enough that I'll be like, I can quickly finish this thing and run to the bathroom and get water. And long story short, I, five minutes is never enough to do all of those things. Um, so, but now I can use the find alarms feature, which is using a feature that was added to shortcuts in iOS 16 to be able to sort of expose data in a way that you can then filter stuff. And I can use find alarms to find the alarms for my repeating calendar events. So instead of adding a new alarm for every calendar event so that I have stand up 17 bazillion times in my, in my alarms list, yeah. I can just find the stand-up alarm and turn it on because it's at the same time every day. I can find the juggling alarm and turn it on. It's the same time every day. And if for whatever reason it's a different time, I can then delete it, um, which is great. So I am pretty happy with that because that's going to really clean up that shortcut. And then hopefully I can write that up and share that with folks. So yeah, this is going to be really, uh, really useful for a number of things. And there, there, there's even more, there's actions being discovered. I I wish Apple did a better job of saying, here's everything that changed in shortcuts. Well, they do, but they only do it when the release goes public. Yeah. So there's a great page that the shortcuts team um, update every time a release happens, but they don't release it with, for the, like, they don't update it for the beta. They update it for the public release or just after the public release. Um, and I, I wish there was like a developer version of this page so the, or like a beta version of this page where we could see the beta stuff coming. Uh, so shortcuts team, if you're listening and the PR folks will let you do that, please, pretty please. Yeah. I would really love it. Like maybe make it a, a secret action that's only available in shortcuts if you're on the beta. I'm fine with that. Like I, I'd just love to know officially what's, what's supposed to be there and so on. But I guess the other problem is like the clock actions that maybe hopefully wasn't the shortcuts team. That was the clock team. Which is great because then the shortcuts team have more time to do shortcut stuff with. And also sometimes stuff they put in the early beta doesn't make it to release. And I'm sure they, they're not so, so eager to write a lot about something that may not uh, survive. Uh, I wanted to take a minute, though, to talk about things that are not in the update. Um, I know I had a few little pet issues that I was looking for. So this is my chance to whine about it. Um, 
I was I was really disappointed in a in some of the lack of parity between devices. Uh, uh, I have been running all sorts of automations to you know set up my Mac to do things, and I love tab groups in Safari on the iPad and iPhone. There's an action that says "Open a tab group," and it's perfect. It just really it makes doing things like setups really easy and it's not been on the Mac now for a year. And I kept thinking, well, it'll be, it'll come in WWC. I'm sure it's in next year's release because they did it already. They made it for the iPhone and iPad. Um, there's not, it's not easily addressable via Apple script to do this on the Mac. There's not really like an alternate route short of like the goofy thing and keyboard maestro where you have it look for the word on the screen, which, you know, really is dependent on a lot of things happening. And, that didn't come over. So we did not get open a tab group on Safari, even though it's been on the iPhone and iPad for a while. So I'm a little sad about that. Um, another one that is the same situation is open a specific email box. I use the Apple mail app and I love the idea of a shortcut that can open me to a specific mailbox to keep me focused and on target. We've got it on mobile. We didn't get it on the Mac again this year. So those were two I immediately looked for. I'm sure I'll find a few more as we work through the betas. But it's like mm-hmm. some of these I can't help but wonder, how how did that not happen? It seems like they've already done the work. But maybe the Mac is different enough that it's not that easy to pull it over. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I feel like there's some things that have made it. So shortcuts actions for health are available on iPad because the health app has come yeah. to the iPad. Yay, yeah. simple. Sleep focus mode is still not available as a trigger in the automations list for i don't know what reason like i understand that on you know sleep is related to health and that was originally only on the the iphone and you set your sleep schedule in the health app on the iphone um, and it ties in with the apple watch but i would still like a trigger for the focus mode turning on and turning off because that's like the start and the end of my day or the end of the start of my day if i'm going to get it the right way around and it would be really really useful to have those like properly like on top of each other like there so that then you know it's the start of my day my ipad can set me up for my day but i currently can't do that um and like i have to proxy like it by like turning to another focus mode which wastes a focus mode because it's like okay sleep mode turning on is gonna turn on this focus mode um and then like set a data jar variable and then um the automation runs on my ipad and flips back to sleep focus mode and then, like, it doesn't run again because it checks and it's like, okay, this variable is already there in data jar. Like, we're not going to do it again. And it's just kind of janky and horrible. Um, and so I've given up on doing that. Um, and yeah, I just have to live with my iPad not doing like a reset of rotation lock and, um, silent mode at the end of the day at the moment, which is a shame because it really bugs me when I forget to turn those off and I'm sitting in one room and I can't move to the other room to go. And just turn off silent mode or turn on silent mode on my iPad and I can hear it dinging repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's sad. And uh, I'm actually going to submit feedback on that. And I'd recommend everybody that does mm. uh, want features that they're missing, including maybe you feel strongly about tab groups and email boxes. Uh, just oh, yeah. submit feedback to Apple if you're on the beta and let them know. And yeah. hopefully, you know, sometimes things do change between beta one for the better and the end. I was just going to say, if you're not on the betas, you can still go to apple.com slash feedback to file feedback. Um, if you are on the betas, then obviously you can use feedback assistance to do that. Feedback assistant to do that. There is a way to open feedback assistant if you're not on the beta, but you can just go to apple.com slash feedback and it'll do the same process. Um, so yeah, file feedback. 
And on, on the focus modes, I just really, really wanted more focus modes. I, I don't know, because we I, I got spoiled because we got focus modes two years ago. And then the following year, last year, we got a bunch of improvements of focus modes. And I felt like, man, it's like if you're playing darts, you're getting closer and closer to the bullseye. And this year, they didn't really do much, didn't throw many darts at the bullseye for focus modes. We didn't get more. Uh, we still can't use contact groups. And like stuff that I think would be low-hanging fruit for it. None of that happened. So hopefully next year, um, I'd hate focus modes to be a thing that just kind of stops evolving because it's such a great idea. And at a time when our technology is increasingly uh, interfering with our ability to do our best work, I feel like this is Apple doing the right thing. I, I just hope that continues. Yeah, me too. Um, and I got really excited for a moment because I was just going through and like trying to use groups and contacts. Um, and I realized that there was a select contacts like bar across the bottom. So I tapped it and I realized that it's telling me to select contacts. And yeah. if I select one, two or three contacts, it'll tell me like one contact selected, two contacts selected yeah. and so on. You have to manually. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they just, yeah. that hasn't got there yet, but, uh. Hopefully no, will. No. Anything else Hopefully. on your list of, of sad things that you didn't get that you wanted or Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm gonna come across things, but at the moment I'm I'm just trying to focus on like the fact that uh we got all this cool stuff, some of which like some people have been asking for, um, and some of which some people hadn't been asking for. And I'm really excited, quite frankly, in the way this all ties together. So we haven't got to some of the other awesome new features yet, like interactive widgets. But a lot of this stuff is built around app intents, which is the, you know, fancy new shortcut things that we got last year. Um, and um, something else that I saw that is pretty cool um, is that there is a shortcut action for open collection in the tips app. Now, I know a bunch of you will be like, oh, the tips app, great. But... Um, developers now have the option to add their own tips for their own apps into the tips app, which means, and they can do it in their own apps as well. So that when you interact with an app, it can like explain to you how stuff is working using the tips framework. And then you can open those tips in the tips app from shortcuts. And I'm really loving the continuity and the way that this stuff all ties in together. You know, they're not just going, okay, so we're going to just do this thing. So the app developers can tell people how to use their apps um, they're also going, okay, so we're going to put it into the tips app, which means that people are hopefully going to find it because they automatically put a tips, um, widget into the series suggestions widget, um, when you set up an, an iPhone. Um, and then it's available in shortcuts. And I'm, I'm loving the way that, you know, new stuff is, is coming into shortcuts like this. And that, that is exciting for me. This episode of the automators is brought to you by Factor. Get healthy, fully prepared food delivered to your door. Just go to factormeals.com slash automators50 and get 50% off your first order. Now that it's summer, you may be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. With Factor, you'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for reaching your goals. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well, skip the trip to the grocery store with Factor and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy and get back outside and soak up the warm weather. And you can elevate eating at home with their new upscale surf and turf options like roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp, and Cajun Spice Shrimp and Salmon. 
Factor offers delicious, flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles, including keto, calorie smart, which are around or less than 550 calories per serving, vegan and veggie, which you have the option to add a protein on selected meals, and Protein Plus, which have 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And because they're prepped by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has everything you need. You can choose from more than 34 weekly options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Plus, you can select from more than 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato and bacon and egg breakfast skillet, plus cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. And if you're looking to pack more protein, you can add on filling options like salmon, filet, or chicken wings to your factor meals. Factor meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes, plus it's more budget-friendly than takeout. And you can rest assured you're making sustainable choices because Factor offsets 100% of their delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. I like a lot of taste in my food, and I've been really happy with the Factor meals that I've ordered because they are super tasty. Uh, my favorite recent one that we had was jalapeno lime cheddar chicken. I ordered it. My wife was coming home from work. She had a busy day. I put together the factor meal for her. When she got home, it was on the table. She loved it. I loved it. And I was able to save her a bunch of work. And I was able to do it in just minutes. This June, get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes so there's no prep and no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash automators50, that's automators50, and use the code automators50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code automators50 at factormeals.com slash automators50 to get that 50% off your first box. And our thanks to Factor for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. All right, Rose, we're the Automators Podcast, but I felt like we had to get Rosemary Orchard's opinion on all this new hardware because there's a lot. I mean, there is, and I'm excited by it, but also I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can buy it. I mean, I could buy a Mac Pro. I don't need a Mac Pro, but I don't know. Like I, I, the, the Vision Pro that that's only coming to the U.S. to start with. Like I'm going to have to come on holiday to the U.S. when it's my birthday and buy one if it's yeah. coming out then. So yeah, yeah. You sleep on my couch. We got a local Apple store. Take it out, <laughs> get you uh, set up. Sounds perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll wear my uh, Peacock T-shirt in uh, all the colors. Yeah, I the, I guess I've I've spoken enough about the new hardware. That I feel like the MacBook Air is a nice addition with a larger screen. It's it's not going to set the world on fire, but I think it, it it's a necessary piece of the line. I'm happy that the Mac Studio it got an upgrade to M2. You know. Although mm-hmm. I think I'm going to buy one. That's, that's a whole, I mean, thing. I already have a Mac studio okay. um, and oh, like, yeah, I don't fine. plan on updating to the M2. Like I don't see a reason I didn't buy like a super powerful Mac studio. I just bought the Mac studio, but the Mac studio is great. It, it is genuinely a lovely computer. I feel like it's actually the pro computer. Most people probably want a need unless they've got like a need to add, you know, like multiple different network cards and graphics cards and use those PCIe slots. Um, but yeah, I like, I can see for some people who maybe bought an M1 Mac mini and are there going, Oh, I feel like I should, I should have more power. You know, they're running into the limitations with stuff. Um, which yes, believe it or not can happen. 
um, the, I think the M2 Mac Studio is going to be a really nice choice. Well, I mean, I think it's particularly if you're running an Intel desktop Mac, it's a great computer. Um, I have no business buying one, to be honest. I, I have an M1 MacBook Pro, but it's been sitting in clamshell running for six months. The first time I unplugged it was to take it to Cupertino with me, and I never opened it. I used my MacBook Air for the whole trip. So I would like to, and, and the M1 MacBook Pro still has a good resale value, so it wouldn't cost me that much to to get the, you know, I would also get the lower end Mac Studio but I just kind of like the idea of having a true desktop Mac on my desktop. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to do it, but that was, I didn't expect that. And, uh, but here we go. Right. Uh, the Mac pro we've talked about it on MPU. I'm sure you've talked about some of your channels too, but it's a very niche computer. It's a niche for a yeah. niche. And if you need it, you know that if you don't know if you need it, then you don't need it. I think that's my summary of that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It, it's one of those things. A lot of people, I'm very sure, like, yeah, I need the Mac Pro. Um, and I would advise everybody before spending a large amount of money on whatever it is, because we're going to get to some other stuff that's going to cost money in a bit, um, that y- you evaluate whether or not you really need it, um, because you may be able to save a chunk of cash and buy a Mac Studio instead. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a $3,000 uh, tax just to get the Mac Pro and it with the exact same stats as a as a Mac Studio. Um, the uh, the automation story for the Vision Pro is something I try to keep an ear to the ground for, um, and I didn't mention at the top of the show. I didn't think I was going, but I got invited. Um, I think in the second round, you know, I, I'm like the guy, you know, when you have a wedding and you've got like Uncle Ralph, and you're like, you know, he's a cool guy, but he's not that cool. Uh, and then a mm-hmm. bunch of people like turn you down and you're like, well, we got room. Let's invite uncle Ralph. I was the uncle Ralph of WWC. I got invited with a second round, but it was fun being there. And I was listening to people talk about um, this vision pro and what's the automation story about it. Like one of the things I heard and I wasn't able to get Apple to confirm it to me is that if you put the vision pro on in a different room, it you can have a different setup in it. Like if you were in your mm. office, you'd put it on and it would automatically be set up for office mode. And if you put it on in your living room, it'd be automatically set up to watch movies. And uh, I, two people told me that I didn't get anybody from Apple to tell me that, but that kind of, that's the kind of automation stuff I'm actually kind of interested in with this new yeah. hardware. And uh, you know, shortcuts was not one of the icons on the screen. Uh, but I do think there's an automation story around this device once it gets oh, yeah. out into the wild. Definitely. And we're six months out from release um, as well on that. So I feel like there, there's going to be more coming. And I feel like the the different room thing actually ties into another new iOS feature that we haven't talked about yet, which is the standby mode. Um, now, there's not a lot of automation to this, but... Um, Theoretically, and I really struggled to test this because I have numerous MagSafe chargers at home, but my home is very physically small. So I yeah. could understand if my phone doesn't necessarily know that I'm in a different room. But if you put your iPhone running iOS 17 um, and you've got the standby mode enabled in the settings app um, and you put it on a MagSafe dock and you put it on the MagSafe dock in landscape mode and it's locked, then it'll turn into like an always on mini sort of display where it can do things like show you your calendar, um, weather, you know, current time, it's got a beautiful animation for a little float time. I love that. I've been using that while I work. So there's like a clock in front of me and it, it animates. It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, um, that can theoretically remember different MagSafe, um, chargers. 
um, and go to a different like user interface on each one. Now, I've not yet managed to like figure out if it's actually remembering yet that um, or if it's just like remembering the last one. Um, I need to like start writing down with a notebook like what it's set to on this one and then like take it off and then walk into a different room and then sit down and like put it on the dock and then see what it comes up with. Um, and this could be kind of difficult. I've got like a lot of travel over the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool that they are, you know, they're starting to think about in different contexts, you want your phone to do different things. And they brought this out with the focus modes and then they've extended focus modes. And now there's also standby. Um, and you know, a vision pro will hopefully also remember, okay, well, in this room, they usually do it like, like they're usually watching a movie and in this room, they're usually working. So we're going to like pop up these things in this room and that thing in that room. And then hopefully shortcuts can pop in to help you tie it all in together so that you can say, Hey, I want to open these three apps on my vision pro. Um, or this is my favorite movie mode. Like this is my background that I want for this. This is how much I want, like the, the, um, you know, the, the background taken out of, um, my, my, you know, uh, eye range, um, or, or my sight line of sight. That's the one. Um, and, uh, how big I want the movie screen to be and things like that. Um, and that would be really cool. Like, I don't know if the shortcuts team have been working on vision pro. Um, I know, um, I saw, um, some, some friends get really excited when vision pro was announced because some of the stuff that they've been working on was I'm guessing in it um, because they were excited and they were going, yay, like the the thing that I've been working on is is finally like it's coming out. And it's like, yes, I'm really excited for those folks. Um, But yeah, it's it's really exciting to see that coming. And I'm really glad that it's good time with the Mac as well. So you can kind of like take the screen of your Mac and and put it somewhere else using the Vision Pro, because I think that that's going to that combined with, you know, iPhone and iPad apps being able to run on it is going to give it a lot more power at the start than other things. That said, it sadly comes with a pretty hefty price tag. Yeah, the the whole standby thing, when we saw it in the keynote, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, but I wasn't that excited about it. But now that I'm home and I've got it running, it's really nice. You know, I mean, if you, oh, if, yeah. Yeah, if you keep your phone on a stand, like you can have it as very, there's a lot of different widgets you can choose from. Like mine today, I'm not sure why, because I haven't changed anything, but it went into a photo mode where it gives me some of my favorite photos with the time and the date the photo was taken. That's really cool. But I also like having a nice clock with a calendar. I've talked about how I turned my uh, my iPad into a status board at my desk. Well, this is like a smaller version of the status board, and it allows me to take some of the widgets off the iPad and, and use the iPad real estate for something else. So it's just really nice. And like you said, it, it'll remember which um, charging puck you're connected to. So if it's next to your bed, maybe it's a simpler widget where you know it's just the clock. And and at night, it does. If you if you set put the settings right, it'll switch it to red, so it doesn't like light up your bedroom. Uh, in fact, you can also make it so it only mm. shows up when it detects motion. So yeah, I really off. like that. Yeah, yeah I. Because um I I I struggle a little bit with light in the bedroom if I'm trying to sleep you know yeah, it really too. you know yeah. it does wake me up um and um I usually wear my Apple Watch while I sleep so I don't get the benefit of nightstand mode from it yeah. um but this is really cool because last night uh, I got up to go to the bathroom and I was like oh my phone screen's not on I wonder you know what time it is uh because uh running the beta Apple Watch Ultra ran out of battery surprise so that was also uh on charge on the dock uh but it was kind of like behind um it on the stand that I've got. Um, and I went over to my iPhone. I did not touch my iPhone. It, I did not touch the table. The floor in this room is nice and solid. So it wasn't that. And I just kind of like reached for my phone and the screen turned on. Yeah. I could see the time 
And that was it. And it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I love it because like, and then I walked away and it turned off really quickly as well. And it's like, okay, that is super cool and super powerful. I really, really like that. So yeah, like uh, the fact that it's there, it, it's just great. Yeah. And the widgets, there's a remarkable number of available widgets. Uh, I've got some feedback going in. Like, for instance, I feel like the the clock and the and the I'm sorry, the appointments and the the reminders widget. The text is too big; it's not you know you can't read them all. But so there's little things I think they need to make adjustments on. But those are just what's available in beta one. Uh, as I understand it, third party developers will be able to get in on this too. So that's going to be really yeah. nice. And um, like, if you like OmniFocus, you'll have your OmniFocus tasks show up as opposed to your reminders or whatever. Uh, or you're running timery timer. I, I just really like what they've done with that. And it, it was a thing that I didn't expect, but it, it is delightful. Now, I want to switch back also to the Vision Pro because you were talking about it. Um, my theory on the Vision Pro is that it is, you know, the big question is, what's it for? I, I feel like I talked to numerous people at at Cupertino. I was in the media room, a bunch of friends and people who I don't know personally, but who I met while I was there who are like industry specialists got in on mm-hmm. the magic beta. They only did it for a couple of days and there were long demos. So there was only a few people that could get in, but everybody I talked to that did it was super impressed with the technology. Even the people who are not supposed to be impressed with stuff, right? The, you know, the, the serious media types. And yeah. the question though always becomes, well, what are you going to use it for? And that is the question that Apple has to answer. And I feel like, more than any other other product that Apple's ever made, this is the one that's going to have the most answers, different answers. Like, you know, the watch, yeah. it started out, is it a fashion thing? Uh, well, it turns out it's a fitness and health thing. That's really what it's for. Mm-hmm. May, maybe a notification thing for some people. But this thing, I think, is going to be a way to watch football for some people, and it's going to be a way to do productivity stuff for others and a way to watch movies. I mean, they've got these kind of different, demographics of users. So my question for you, Rosemary Orchard is based on what you've seen so far, is there an itch that this would scratch for you? I think there's potentially a couple. Um, so I don't travel as much as I used to, but I do still travel a fair bit. Um, and, um, one of the things that I, or I say things, bags that I have to lug with me when I travel, um, if I'm planning on doing any work is, uh, the portable office. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just to give folks a bit of a rundown, the portable office includes obviously a laptop. Uh, it also includes a keychron, um, keyboard, um, a mouse, uh, portable monitor, portable monitor stand, laptop riser, and potentially microphone, XLR interface, stream deck, um, and things like ethernet cables, cables to connect portable monitor to the laptop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is a lot of gear. Now, I'm not imagining that I can get rid of the microphone and the XLR interface if I'm planning on doing any podcasting. But I'm definitely imagining laptop riser, portable monitor, portable monitor stand, and those associated cables could go bye-bye. And then I could potentially use the Vision Pro with a laptop um, and have multiple monitors. And I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, getting the laptop up to an ergonomic height um, or anything. And that keyboard and mouse would then also be able to work directly with the Vision Pro uh, for input purposes, uh, which would be, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Um, but this would then also allow me to ditch things like, um, I usually take a Chromecast with me rather than the Apple TV just because it's physically smaller. Yeah. Um, but if I, you know, I have taken Apple TVs with me when traveling before, 
Um, and so I wouldn't need that either because I could just sit in bed with the Vision Pro on and watch probably a better screen than there is in the hotel room after I spent five minutes fussing with the TV to try and get it to turn to Chromecast input um, and ended up using my portable monitor anyway um, and things like that. So, yeah, I can imagine that would be great for things like that, but also just, you know, movies and so on. Um, if you're a single person um, uh, and or you live alone and you don't like have like a, a space to put a tv necessarily that's convenient um you know there are some home layouts that just don't really work for that or you know you, you you're going to have other needs for this um then i could imagine the vision pro being a really great you know uh you know watching thing i'm probably still going to stick with uh tvs in various rooms because i kind of tend to put them on and then like get on with doing things like folding laundry and so on and i can imagine that trying to fold laundry with the vision pro on your head uh is probably going to get kind of heavy and achy kind of quickly um but yeah i think there's gonna be a number of uses for it i would love to try it um and see like how it works with uh like my laptop and so on when i'm working you know as my day job as a developer see see if i can get some more windows floating around you know stick the console somewhere where it's you know it's there so i can see it but it's it's even less taking up space than it currently is yeah the other thing everybody who tried it on and went through the demo told me is that they are going to get one I mean, I think it's a, it's a very good demo. <laughs> uh, for me, the, I think the case is the productivity primarily. Like I was thinking, I love thinking about problems and thinking them through visually. And I was thinking, what if I could have it on my face something that felt like an 18-foot you know, square omni-graffle diagram to like think through mm-hmm. a problem or a freeform or whatever? I, I like that stuff about it, but I think, you know, the content consumption story is very easy to like, why not oh, yeah. watch star Definitely. Wars in like an IMAX size screen with the, with the space field in the middle of a space field, you know, you could do that. And, and I, when I was talking to the people that tried it on, I said, when you went in full virtual mode, how believable was it? And that to me is a big deal. Cause I've tried the Oculus thing and it doesn't feel believable. It's like the it the the latency combined with the low pixel count. It you know you know you're in a simulation and it it's very it your brain is not tricked. I guess is what I would say. Um, yeah. And um, uh, David underscore Smith, you know the the watchsmith and widget smith guy widget told smith. me when he put it on at one point they had him on top of Mount Hood and he looked down he was on the edge of a precipice and he's afraid of heights. And he said, oh God. he said, I thought I was going to die. He said, it's my, my whole, you know, my adrenaline system, everything kicked in because my brain was completely fooled, you know, and that, yeah. that's what I like hearing. <laughs> I mean, not that I don't want David to be scared, but I just, you know, the idea that I could be at a cabin at the top of a mountains or in somewhere in Yosemite writing a day one draft. And I would, I would be very comfortable doing that. So, so I'm excited about it too, but it, you know, there's a lot to be said and, I do think, though, uh, as an automator, I think we're going to find ways to automate this thing. If anybody does, it'll be you and me, Rose. Yeah, I'm really hoping that I'm going to be able to get my hands on one fairly early on. Um, I'm going to have to see, obviously, uh, pricing and availability. Uh, It's only coming out in the U.S. to start with early next year is what they said. Um, So, yeah, like and also if I buy one. Like it's three and a half thousand dollars. Uh, I am not just gonna trust some random postal service to like ship it over. It'll yeah. be a case of like, I'm gonna fly over and pick this one up and fly back. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, normally I would just like 
ship it to you, right? Like I did that for yeah. the iPad for some friends in Europe that they wanted one that wasn't available. So I bought one here. They reimbursed me and I shipped it to them. But the other thing is I understand the fit of these things is super important. And I think you almost mm-hmm. want to go in and get properly fitted and make sure that it yeah. fits your face. You don't want it well, to get shipped the all the way. Well, there's the optional extra strap going across your head across the top of your head and so on um and there'll be the the like because you can swap out like the the um uh visor is the wrong word for it but like the part that actually like connects between your face and the display to be to be different ones i feel like that that's definitely going to be a case of yeah like go in store and and get this all set up and so on just like um you know the watches where if you want one of the solo straps like you should go in store really and and try it on if you can so that you get a good fit because otherwise you know what you think is going to be a good fit it often ends up fortunately apple has free returns with doing a bit of back and forth of okay i ordered the five uh i'm guessing based on the feel of this i probably need what maybe a four or three so you order a three and that's too tight and you have to send it back and get a four and you should probably have ordered four in the first place but yeah it's 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 uh yeah it's gonna be interesting but i feel like the good kind of interesting and i am Really looking forward to seeing how many apps are available at launch. Um, because, uh, I mean, it's kind of a shame. They called out Apollo for Reddit, uh, in so many p- times and places. And it was there as like little app icons on the screen in so many places. And Apollo has unfortunately since had to announce that they're going to close down. But that is a great example of an iPhone and iPad app that, you know, could potentially just have worked on the Vision Pro. And so fingers crossed things like OmniFocus will also just work on the Vision Pro. Um, and that is something that I could imagine being really useful. I'm looking forward to seeing if things like task heat and so on work. That's a really sort of visual way of like interlinking and planning your tasks where you can have lots of dependencies. So like these three things have to be done before I can do this thing. And when that thing is done, these five things can be done um, and so on and so forth. Um, and I would really like to be able to kind of like plan my day out or plan out complex projects and something like that in like a nice big 3D environment where I can just be like, okay, dump a pile of tasks over here and then like let's start picking them up and sorting them out and putting them in places and see what happens yeah and what i'm what i'm most excited about frankly is the apps that don't exist it's the apps that would only make sense in this 3d spatial computing platform that nobody's thought of yet and i can tell you having been on the ground in cupertino this week that there are a lot of people uh, smart people that are doing something like that so uh, there's a couple of other things that happened, some of which WWDC related, some of which not. Uh, the first one I want to talk about are the improvements to HomeKit um, that have come with iOS 17, iPadOS 17, um, the new HomePod betas and TBS betas. Um, because um, HomeKit has, I mean, it's just had some general improvements, things like uh, automations converted to shortcuts can wait for like 20 minutes, apparently, without uh, timing out. Um, but also, and the thing that is really exciting for me is there are logs for things like locks. Now, there are not logs for everything, but if a lock is open, you can see who opened it. And you can see a history of something like a lock to know who's been opening it and closing it and things like that. And I think that this is really great, especially for those security-related automations. Sadly, it's only for a, a limited subset of devices, but I feel like this is a great start for improving HomeKit for a lot of people. Agreed. Um, but it wasn't a banner year for HomeKit. You know, we didn't get a lot of, of new stuff. But that that is one of the things we got, and that's cool. Um, I feel like as matter sinks in, I feel like HomeKit is going to evolve more probably in future years. 
I also think a lot of people at Apple are really busy working on a thing that you strap to your head. So they don't have a lot of time. Yeah. We, we already mentioned the, you know, the thing with Apollo and Reddit, which I guess I just want to join the chorus of everybody saying, um, I think it's really unfortunate that Reddit made the decisions it did. And if you're not up to speed on this, Apollo is a beloved app that is the best way to view Reddit threads. Uh, the developer is a single developer. I met him last year at WWDC, a very nice, very smart guy. And they just kind of decided to change, uh, Reddit decided to change their business model. Whereas the Apollo developer, once again, a guy who lives in an apartment and is trying to you know make his way in the world, he would have to pay $20 million a year to Reddit in order mm-hmm. to keep his app running. So and it, it's not just that they they've decided to bring in um, API charges like he was happy to pay for the API, to be clear, um, at a reasonable rate. And that's what they said it was going to be. Um, but they said that the API changes were going to come in from the first of July. So the the way that the 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 things were running where it was free would end at the end of June um, and that they'd bring that stuff in. And they said this like two, two or so months ago now. Um, and then they have announced the API pricing in WWDC week, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so he would have less than 30 days to modify the app to match the, a new business model, uh, test it, add documentation for users as to, Hey, this is now changed. You can use Reddit for like two minutes a day before you have to pay for an extra subscription not a great look uh anyway and things like that um and then um also get it through app review um and this is this is the other thing it's like it's not just writing the app and writing the documentation and testing everything like app and documentation and getting that all in um it's also having to go through app review which even though you can request an expedited app review and i'm sure he would do can still take a chunk of time just because of all of the other things going on plus in case Reddit didn't notice, it's WWDC. Like, this is the biggest time of year for the Apple developer community where they have to be, like, going through, looking at all the new stuff that they can add and figuring out what they're going to be able to add for releases in September and so on. Um, so, yeah, they, they Reddit massively dropped the ball on that. They also uh, managed to accuse him of um, trying to blackmail or extort them. I don't know, like, how that will go for them but um yeah uh essentially uh yeah they seem to not be doing great so yeah really sad about that especially as craig federighi called out apollo twice in the keynote as being a great app that would just like work on the vision pro and you can pull in the apollo for reddit uh widget on the mac um from your iphone and stuff like that and yeah he called it out and sadly it's gonna have to go away because it's just not gonna be possible for Christian to bring it over to the new Reddit API. And I did not talk to him at all at WWC. I never saw him. But if I understand it correctly, and granted I could be wrong, that those fees kick in on July 1st. So let's say he tries to do this and Apple delay, and and with the amount of users he has, it's in the neighborhood of $2 million a month. Let's say that he, um, well, maybe less, but you know, it's in that ballpark. Let's say Apple delays him two weeks into July, does he just now incur a million dollars in liability to Reddit? I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, Mm, I have some ideas as a former lawyer of what's going on, but I don't want to speculate. Um, But I suspect this was not aimed at him. 
but he was... It was aimed at all third-party apps, essentially. Yeah. It's based on their opportunity cost per user, which yeah. I feel like they could probably resolve if they just injected ads as posts into the API, and that was and, and they did it that way. I honestly don't know why they did it or what the deal is, but what I would say is I, I'm sad because whenever I see an independent developer that works really hard kind of getting the rug pulled out from underneath them, it's hard. And But uh, that's also just a... A warning anytime you build an app platform on somebody else's thing, they can always do it to you, you know. I mean, which is yeah. sad. So I I don't know that I have anything positive to say about this, except I'm sorry that Apollo isn't there. What I would say yeah. is if you are an Apollo subscriber as I am, as he shuts it down, sometimes Apple goes through a process where they say, Well, the developer is stopping the app and we're offering you a refund. I would encourage you, and it hasn't got to that point yet, but if it gets to that point, I would encourage you as a listener to decline the refund and at Mm -hmm. least let him keep the few bucks that you gave him. Uh, This was not something that he controlled and and give him some runway to to make the next great thing because he's a very smart guy and he will make a great thing, whatever the next thing he makes is. Yeah. Yeah. Christian mentioned he has been talking to Paul from Tapbot yeah. uh, because Tweetbot had to go through the same thing and he's yeah. working with Apple so that that's, that's all going to be sorted out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Uh, if you're looking, if you're a member of the shortcut subreddit and you are looking for a new home, I would heartily recommend, um, our, the automators forum at talk.automators.fm. There is an entire shortcut, uh, section. Yep. Go wild. We are happy to have you. The shortcut subreddit has also made a Discord server, which is linked in the in the subreddit. Um, so if you're going elsewhere from Reddit, Automation Forum and the Discord are both very happy to have you. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed, all of those awesome people like iBanks and uh, Portatorts and so on will uh, continue to be around in the community, um, even if they decide to move to other platforms. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's something I'm going to be reconsidering my relationship with Reddit based on everything that's happened. Um, all right. Uh, more positive. Chat GPT made an app that went out to the iPhone, and now I believe it's on the Mac app store as well. But they put shortcut support in just right before we went to press with this episode. So Chat GPT is not now only an app on your device, and if you're interested in large language models, this is one of the best ones, now you can incorporate that LLM into a shortcut. Um, I just saw uh, somebody in the Reddit had made one that takes the new weather report and then they have ChatGPT write it as if it was a newscaster giving you the news report. And then, you know, I guess they've got a speaking action. I haven't read, I haven't actually looked at the shortcut yet. It just went up. But the um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of fun you could have with ChatGPT power added to a shortcut. So that is available to you now. Rose and I will cover it more as we get into it deeper, but that's kind of a fun news item and it's something you may want to check out. Yeah, yeah, it's good that this is an option. Uh, it doesn't get rid of Federico Vitici at Max Stories. Uh, fabulous. Uh, he, he made a shortcut that interacts with ChatGPT using the API. Um, you know, it, it doesn't remove um, the, the greatness that is that. Um, this is a limited subset. Um, and for anybody who's thinking, ooh, maybe I'll try this now, uh, I would caution you just double check, um, you know, uh, with the information that you're putting in there to make sure that it is not something that needs to be kept private. Uh, for example, yes. uh, dumping your work data in there is probably a no-no. Uh, we were explicitly told this at the place that I work. You may not have been explicitly told this, but uh, if, if in doubt, better safe than sorry. 
uh, and stick with, you know, your own personal information to dump into there. Yeah. Just Re- rewriting the weather information to make it funny is a great use of this. Using it to do your work is a really bad idea for multiple reasons. Number one is it is not, you know, it's not an end to end encrypted thing where, you know, your, your data is protected. Uh, in fact, I think I'm counting on Apple to, uh, you know, at some point put this stuff on chip and give us more power with a privacy angle to it. The other thing is a lot of times chat GPT is as wrong as it could be. You know, I, Oh yes. And it's very confidently incorrect. Yeah. They, they asked it to do a bio of me and it talked about me being on Mac break weekly, which I have never been, but I was a host according to chat GPT of Mac break weekly. I've never even been on the show. So go figure. Um, mm. uh, there was a story in the U S of a lawyer who had chat GPT, write Part of his brief. And now he is in real hot water because it cited cases saying things they didn't say. And um, that was bad, you know? So <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, well, I, I think this is real fun stuff to explore and play with. Uh, it mm-hmm. comes with the usual asterisks and, and quite a few of them at that. Uh, I, last yes. bit I wanted to say now that we've got the initial news out on WWDC, I was just curious, Rose, what do you think, how is Shortcuts doing at this point? I think it is doing a lot better than people might think. Um, you know, it, it didn't get a lot of screen time in the keynote. Um, it, it got mentioned briefly in uh, Shortcuts Widget for macOS because uh, macOS widgets are coming back to the desktop. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, but um, I saw some some tweets from some folks on the Apple team um, and um, they they were saying, you know, like, oh, the whole new interactive widgets is built around app intents, which is shortcut stuff. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you know, the, the way that everything in the system is making its way into shortcuts and shortcuts is making its way into everything in the system and enabling things like better widgets. Cause who doesn't want an interactive widget, um, where you can like check off an item at the moment in reminders. I'm hoping OmniFocus will be able to update to do this as well. Um, so you can check something off without having, having to open the app. That's amazing. I love it. Um, so I'm really excited that it's, it's doing this and it's getting all of these updates and so on. And I'm really pleased that they are happy to let users do things that could be dangerous. Uh, I use air quotes of things like running a shortcut automatically when you connect to Wi-Fi and things like that. They're still not doing it for like geolocation things and so on. And I feel like that's a reasonable limitation. Uh, geolocation can be proxied by using things like for focus modes, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, etc. But, um, you know, I, I'm really excited by all of these improvements. And I feel like the shortcuts team has done a great job. And I am I'm thrilled for them that their stuff is, you know, even if it's not necessarily getting screen time, it is definitely hitting, uh, you know, the points that make a shortcuts users really happy. How do you feel? Same. I, I feel like it's it's continuing to get better. I'm using it. I was just noticing the other day how many shortcuts I have moved out of Keyboard Maestro, um, you know, actions that normally I would automate with more powerful tools. And now I'm doing them in shortcuts on my Mac. And I didn't think it was going to land on the Mac that hard for me that it has. Um, and I just feel like the big story today, what we talked about it during the show, but you know, it's faster, it's more stable. It's becoming a real solid app. And that is what I wanted it to be. And I feel like it's, it's getting there. So I'm going to give it a, a solid marks for, for this year. Although we didn't get a ton of new features in it and everything. Uh, it is quality of, quality of life improved, and that's exactly what we are looking for. 
I, I'm going to note that the number of new settings actions that have snuck into shortcuts means that like, I feel like there's a lot more features in there than, um, you know, people might give them credit for. And similarly, um, things like the ability to just run a shortcut straight from an automation trigger and the fact that that UI has been rewritten. I'm pretty certain that they're like, that's part of the whole big refactoring they've done behind the scenes to improve, um, the you know the, the the speed and everything at like yeah they they definitely deserve full marks i don't know what we're marking them out of but i'm giving them full marks plus 20 percent because yeah there you go. They, we, we didn't get everything we wanted no we're never going to get everything we wanted we still got great things and they've they've knocked it out of the park so congratulations shortcuts team uh you've done a great job and also thank you um if this is the case for getting all those other app teams inside of apple to you know work on um, you know, new app intents and shortcuts actions because that that is really cool, and I'm I'm really excited about that. You think they have like a new version of Sal who just runs around Apple yelling at people to add automation to their apps? I feel like they do. I I don't know. I hope they do. I do know that somebody who used to be on the Apple Script team is now on the shortcuts team. Yeah. Um, and um, I I actually met this person um at uh, an automated WWDC meetup. Um, the one where I broke my ankle. Um. Didn't know it was broken at the meetup, to be fair. Uh, that's also where uh, I met Christian, the Apollo developer, and a uh, ton of the shortcuts team turned up, and it was lovely to see them. And they were talking to Sal, talking to some of the Apple script team, and just generally nerding out and being awesome people. Um, but yeah, it's it's really exciting to see, you know, like that, that sort of stuff inside of Apple. And I, I really hope that, you know, the fact that some of these folks have been there for quite a while now, you know, short Apple port shortcuts or workflows, it was a long time ago. Um, and it's just getting better every year. I feel like people inside of Apple are taking note of that. And also, even if they are still kind of going, eh, shortcuts up, nerdy, like the fact that the interactive widgets are app intents, which then work with shortcuts to an extent. And like the, the old Apple Watch Ultra button, like that to me is just, yeah, like the icing on the cake of this is, this is here to stay and it's only going to get better. All right. We are the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. You can find our website at automators.fm. Uh, we have the forums Rose was talking about at talk.automators.fm. And it's a great place. Some of the best automation discussion on the internet. Uh, shortcuts is, is heavily discussed there. And that's a great place to head in if you want to. And uh, thank you to our sponsors today. That's our friends at ExpressVPN and Factor. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye, folks.